the app the one day and it was like broken and like not working. You know, like all right. Yeah, I haven't gotten an email from them in a long time. So I think they're defunct. We can try and then get another one then at some point, but okay. Yeah. Near here and over there. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of Gym Class All-Stars. We are here with you on a random Tuesday afternoon because, well, afternoon for me, more nighttime for you. Time, time differences can be real wacky. Um, but find some time to take a minute and discuss the, the world of sports and what's been going on there over the past about week and a half, I think it's been since we recorded two weeks about. So... A lot has happened specifically in the world of basketball, but before we get into that, the NHL did conclude its season. The Florida Panthers, despite a great run, came up short. The Las Vegas Golden Knights, despite only having been in the league for a handful of years, come up with their first ever Stanley Cup final 4-1 series victory. Great run for the eight-seeded Panthers, but again, kind of like what we're going to get to in basketball, the South Florida team just couldn't compete with the top dog from the other side. Las Vegas dominated the series. I think actually a bit more competitive of a series than the NBA Finals in terms of the game-to-game -game action. But and in the end, they, they Florida just couldn't get over that hump. Yeah, I, the... It's funny because that's a true statement. If you looked at just the last game, though, the final game of the series, game five, was nine to three. So looks terrible. Uh, but no, I think it was either three or game three or four, uh, three to two for most of the game. Panthers have a chance to score a final seconds, you know, get real close. Don't. But like real back and forth and, you know, intense. Um, but yeah, uh, for. People up in Buffalo, they're pretty disappointed the Knights won because their uh, golden boy, Jack Eichel, was on the Sabres and got traded to the Knights last season. And he got a championship before the city of Buffalo, you know, obviously stings a little bit. But the Knights, I'll tell you what, like for NHL expansion teams, you get a solid window because you get to pick, I think it's like there's seven players protected per team. And then after that, you can start picking and... You get some good players here or there. Some people sign. Like, you are got a pretty good roster right off the bat, like the Kraken had and the Knights, obviously. But, yeah, after four years, they got over the hump and did it. And a uh, Southern Florida team comes up short yet again. Heart Heartbreaking indeed for the, for the underdogs in Florida. Um, great, great run uh, by, by Florida. I don't even want to try and pronounce their best player's name, but he had a, a, a Hemi Butler type run himself. Um, excellent, excellent attempt, you know, <laughs> great. Give him the, uh, the old participation badge, but no, Las Vegas. I can only, one, one can only imagine how drunk the city of Las Vegas got the day they won the NHL at Stanley cup. <laughs> All right. Now that we've got hockey <laughs> moved on out of the way, no, let's move on to on to the NBA, where again we have crowned a champion as the Denver Nuggets, first time in Denver Nuggets history, were crowned NBA champions, defeating the Miami Heat four games to one. Nikola Jokic, the no-brainer MVP. I mean, he he was. Sensational. He looked like the best player in basketball all playoffs long. And that's the first time you've ever heard me say that, ladies and gentlemen, ever. 
He is the first player in NBA history to lead the playoffs in points, rebounds, and assists. And my guess is also three-point percentage, the way he shot in those NBA finals. That man was unstoppable, whether he was scoring 18 or 40. Now, he had a phenomenal supporting cast around him. First of all, Mike Malone absolutely gets his flowers. That is one of the most improved coaches over the last five years. Note, he, he went from around bubble time, me calling for his name, to th- this is one of the best coaches. Like he's, I, I'm not going to say he's quite at Spolster's level but, or, or Popovich's level, but man, is he right up there at this point. He has really put himself in, among the elite names in coaching right now. And then you got to talk about the players. I mean, Jamal Murray played like a man on a mission in this series. Every jump shot felt like it was going in for him. It was it's a step back, three, floater, whatever it was, it felt like it was going in. There's people talking about if him being the best point guard in basketball right now. I think that's ludicrous. But top five is definitely not out of the question. Top five is actually factual at this point. I mean... He's been doing it all year long. This wasn't just a hot playoff run like it was for Miami. This was this was season dominance for Jamal Murray. He's got to do it again and again and stay healthy to be the best point guard in basketball. But with with Dame and Curry aging a bit, the window is open for him to to, to take over that mantle. But there there is a clear another step that'll have to be taken. So. After all that, how are you feeling? Are you just okay? Are you disappointed, or was the last episode we did? You were very adamant, like, all right, you know, it's over. And to be honest, I have seen that rarely out of you. It's it, it was in two part. Number one, it was because after watching the first game of the NBA Finals, I just I was flashed right back to 2020 in terms of the way that game went down. It, the Heat looked smaller than the Nuggets, like they did the the Lakers. The, Jimmy Butler felt like he was trying harder than normal to make shots, which ended up resulting in misses. There were just too many things that kept popping out. Spolstra not quickly enough within mid-game, changing the rotation, changing the lineup. The refusal to take Cody Zeller out of the rotation, despite him being probably the worst player on the court at all times. Ugh. At, at that point, I was I was worried. And then the Heat won game two, and I had a little bit of faith. But then after game three, I knew the, I knew the series was over because Denver went right back to dominance, right back to that form, and the Heat had simply no counterpunch. I'm not even sure getting a guy like Damian Lillard wins Miami that series. Because, mm-hmm. yes, guys like Vincent and Struess missing all the shots that they did could be made up for by a more consistent shooter like Damian Lillard, a more seasoned player like Damian Lillard. But at the end of the day, if when Bam Adebayo wasn't on the court, it didn't matter if Jokic or Murray were playing. We went, we were, we were minus. We were getting the Nuggets were going on runs. We were getting run out of the building every time. And that's also hard because Bam himself is undersized. So he has to work that much harder. To, to be able to compete with a guy like Jokic. And, and mind you, let, let, me, let me say this about Bam Adebayo. He had the best playoff series I've ever seen out of him. He had been consistently one of the most poor playoff performers on the Miami Heat's roster. And he really stepped up in the finals, went at Jokic, really, really did his part. But 
at the end of the day, Bam Adebayo is not that kind of takeover player. If and, and Miami played right in Denver's hand that way. So I was disappointed, of course. My team lost the NBA Finals, but it was so expected that I was almost less hurt than I was in, in 2020 when I, cause I really felt like we could have won that one. And this one, going right in right away, I knew, man, this is gonna, this is an uphill battle all the way. My next question. How do you feel that Jimmy Beller did not show up in the finals? I don't – I'm not – I mean – I argue he did. I think he just didn't show up on the scoreboard because he dropped, what was it, that, that, that 40 or 50-point game against Boston in game two or three. Yeah. And, and that, that was it. That was it. That was the last we heard of Jimmy Butler for the rest of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that is because he wasn't just being double-teamed. He was being triple-teamed. He was – do you remember – the, well, we're going to throw this back here to the game you fell on the ground and got hurt in, in, in rec league basketball, the JCC, where mm-hmm. I was being face guarded to the point where they we, we couldn't even get me the basketball. And then you were the only other person coming to get the ball. They knew they knew they only had to put one person on you and they could crowd me to the if I even got the ball to the point where it was pointless to give me the ball. That's mm-hmm. exactly what happened here is it became pointless to give Jimmy Butler the ball because there was nothing he could do. Now, he did get a little caught up in the, you know, the pump fakes and, and the, the indecisiveness. That hurt him a lot. But it was, it was at the end of the day, the, the proof as to why Jimmy Butler isn't one of the, the top five superstars in basketball. It's because at the end of the day, it's really, really freaking hard, but you can guard him. You can actually shut him down. And that's what we saw from game four of the Celtics series, with exception of game seven of the Celtics series, on throughout the rest of the playoffs. Jimmy Butler just was defended phenomenally. Phenomenally. He was. And yeah, I'm not trying to say the Nuggets didn't do anything, but it really did seem like, and maybe this is a little bit more of my latest memory of it, but game five especially, minus the last six minutes he was missing everything and you know then he went on his barrage very quickly you know that one foul uh but it really seemed like it nothing was at ease nothing was going nothing was flowing and bam filled that role pretty well in terms of scoring when jimmy didn't but i think at the end of the day for them to have really taken them to any like uncomfortable point it was going to need to be both of them in tandem or you know, having a hero back who obviously didn't play at all you, you know what i think it really was i think jimmy got tired i think miami had to play a lot of playoff games i think they well, had to play playing games they had to go to seven with boston when they were up 3-0 i think jimmy ran out of gas straight up he shouldn't he, have but he did i mean no you're putting miles on it you're playing a ton of games like i get that I honestly was leaning more towards that injury got in the second round. I think that Jimmy Butler is a very aggressive player and a very powerful player, but his speed didn't seem what it normally was. He wasn't cutting as quick. It was methodical, which he's very good at, but very methodical in an explosive league is going to only get you so far. It's true. And, it, it was downplayed a lot, especially by Butler himself, because he didn't want the distraction of it. I'm sure it was bothering him. I guarantee you it was bothering him. We've all yeah. rolled our heels before. We know that lasts for 
a couple weeks. And if you don't ease off of it, it can last for a couple months. And I'm absolutely positive it was bothering him. But will, will he say that it was bothering him? Absolutely not. Because in his head, it was just another obstacle in the way of becoming a champion, of which I guarantee you he's not done trying to do. And then for the Nuggets, Jokic gets his first title. We talked a lot last episode about solidifying himself in history. You know, I, it's hard to argue that he's not the best center in the league. I know you like you can say about Joel Embiid maybe being better when it comes to a head on uh, a one on one or playing those teams, but guy's got two MVPs. You know. Could have potentially had a third this year and now has a ring, which Embiid is obviously missing. Um, but on top of that, Jamal Murray gets his well-deserved one after tearing his ACL. Michael Porter Jr. goes from playing basically no minutes in college to an NBA champion. Did not have a good series, minus game five. Yeah, game five, he started to figure it out. Still didn't shoot very well. Um, he He's the guy they're going to eventually get rid of at some point. Um, because Aaron Gordon was the man all playoffs long. And and I, I would like to, to anybody who follows us on Twitter, say that the, our, our tweet about the greatest playoff block of all time was self-proclaimed by by Alex over here. The greatest <laughs> block in playoff, in, in, in NBA Finals history, belongs to LeBron James himself and no other man. <laughs> that See, that's why that was a good tweet, because it's funny. <laughs> however, it, however, excellent block by Aaron Gordon. That's the kind of thing, though, when you're in a playground, you're playing someone shorter than you, and they pump fake, and you just swat it. Didn't even move. That's what I thought was funny about it. But, yes, obviously, in terms of importance, definitely not. Maybe to, D- to Denver, sure, but sure, sure. overall. Um, but, yeah, Aaron Gordon had an incredible finals, kind of a career resurgence since being traded, um, especially when you were calling for his head. Yes, uh, I will give him – I still won't call him a star. I'll call him a defensive hmm. star. But I won't. I, I mean, he did. He was vital to their to their playoff success and to their championship, un, undeniably. And then the two guys. Well, there's three, I'd say. Christian Braun played some really good minutes. The Browns, yeah. Yep. Um, Bruce Brown shot extremely well and had some very important shots and some good points off the bench. He was the killer. He was the absolute dagger in Miami's heart. And then good old KCP, no ankle monitor to him. You know, those guys chipped in the points when necessary. Like Jokic and Murray were going to put on the bulk of them. They just needed to shoot relatively efficiently and give them some relief minutes. And they did just that. Mm-hmm. They did. They. I mean, these were the two deepest teams in basketball, and we saw which one was the deeper, better team. True, truly. Um, I, I have... Other other than I think Jokic does a lot of a lot of flailing and and he doesn't complain to the rest per se, but he does do a lot of acting. That's probably the only bad thing I have to say about Denver. They they play him wonderful. My my, my the last thing I was gonna say a little, little wrap up of this season. I mean the best team won the NBA Finals. That is without a doubt in my mind. Um, Miami, however, proved how important momentum and heart and grit and that that culture that they build can be. Um, and and number three, you cannot play for the for the regular season. Milwaukee is the only team that doesn't really understand that. But you cannot play for the regular season. You play for the playoffs. You you and that does not mean rest Kawhi Leonard 
for a quarter of the season. That means get your team together, get your rotations set, figure out what works and what doesn't, learn what is a good replacement option for something that isn't working, fill out your depth, get a star or two and great players around them, and let it like meld and mesh together. You don't mess with it too much. And some teams just don't get that. Some some teams can't help themselves but mess mess and tinker. It really is incredible what you can do with you know one or two excellent star players and then a really deep roster, which will be the antithesis of what we're getting into later. But um, we are not doing it this week just because we got a lot of draft stuff to cover, or at least some stuff to talk about that with that coming up on Thursday. But earlier in the season, I think before the start of the season even, we did the time capsule predictions. We'll actually open that. Really don't have time for it today, but we'll get to that at a later date. But I've forgotten about it, and be good ones to uncover. I'm praying someone put John Moran for bad boy, because he would be the runaway pick for bad boy this year. Runaway nightmare pick. God, yeah. Spe- speaking of that, like a like a mixtape, Adam Silver says it's going to drop after the NBA Finals. Jaws suspension. Um, so so anyone who you know doesn't have Twitter been sleeping under a rock. Uh, John Morant has has had a pending suspension basically for a, a second offense of flashing a firearm on social media on Instagram Live specifically, um, and 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 to keep from distraction from the NBA Finals, Adam Silver chose to delay the announcement of how long the suspension would be until uh, after the NBA Finals. So uh, I think a day or two later, it came out that John Morant would be suspended for the first 25 games of the NBA season. And there's been endless chatter. This is too much. This is too little. This is, this is harsh. This is, this is a slap on the wrist. At, at the end of the day, do you as a, a general NBA spectator that has no real lean towards or against John Morant feel like he was fairly suspended? I do think it's fair, and here's the pretense I'll go under. I like the idea of a three-strikes rule. First offense, it was eight games, right? Not ten? Yeah, yeah. Okay, eight games, it, sure. It, it, more of a grizzly suspension. I mean, I think the league worked with them, but, like, more to take a step away. Second time, you know— it's bad to make the same mistake twice, especially when you're reprimanded the first time. He did it, okay, quarter of a season. And the reason, well, a little bit more than a quarter, but the reason I say it's, I'd call it fair is because it's not illegal. It's bad at being a role model. And, you know, the NBA has plenty of young fans. You know, anyone who's interested in basketball probably cares about the NBA. And John Rance in that, you know, that list of, potential superstars you know people look up to especially for play that explosive play the donks the layups etc so he's looked up to and you know doing that again is not especially by nba standards not a good thing and just not teaching best um i do think if this happens a third time then you could see i don't know about a year long but like this is like this will then be the third strike and that's where I'm kind of thinking, like, anything's on the table. Like, you, you, the once, okay, fine. Like, young kid made a mistake. Second time, like, all right, like, you didn't learn. Here's 
call it a quarter of a season. Third time, it's like, all right, like we have told you multiple times, this has been publicly stated, like the sky can be the limit. And I I, I think it's fair. Like so I'm sure people making the argument could have been half a season. Okay, maybe, but I think it's a little harsh. It's because it's not illegal, quite frankly. I think more people have actually been leaning, especially the Players Association, been leaning on it's too harsh of a suspension. I think it's in that that just right scenario. I'm thinking about how, you know, this is a little different, but baseball does performance-enhancing drugs. You get the like, like quarter-season suspension for the first time, then you get the year-long suspension for the second time, and strike three for them is you're out. You are kicked out of the league forever. And here's the deal. First of all, I don't think that Adam Silver will ever come down with the golden hammer and say that you are out forever. I think he will come out saying you have been suspended from basketball for a period of time. Typically what happens in the NBA for something like performance enhancing drugs is you get suspended for about two years. This is obviously not performance enhancing drugs. This is a different issue that hopefully, hopefully can be resolved much easier. And that's why I think the suspension can be a bit on the lighter side. So I think strike three right now would just be that year-long suspension. I think I think if this, however, if we get to a third time, there's there's absolutely going to be a fourth time. There's going to be a fifth time, and and the question will then start to be risen: Is this is this person good for our league's image? Do we want him being portrayed as a role model, like you said, as a star to look up to? Is it beneficial to us? And at the, I don't even know if the league's really thought about what they're going to do past this. I don't, it sounds like they really didn't know what to do with this second time. And 25 games is a lot when you think about it. That's right. He didn't break a law, but he did do something that has a lot of negative ripple effects. And a lot of people were uncomfortable with, I think it's very appropriate, but he's, he has to be careful and the league has to be ready to just say, okay, we're, we're cleaning our hands at this point. We're done with this. Yeah, for the NBA Players Association, their job is to look out for the best interests of their players. And, you know, the argument can be made. It's not illegal to do. And, you know, that's sort of what they're hinging everything on. It's not like I don't think they really honed in on the image of the brand and the business. But at the end of the day, this is a business. And, you know, there are plenty of things about employers that upset people daily. It's why everyone complains or hates their job or you know, comes home and just is like upset. But at the end of the day, they are the ones who pay you and they are the ones like writing the checks. And you unfortunately have to abide by that. If you don't want to, you can find another job. And yep. for schlubs like us, maybe we could, but for a guy like John Morant, there's very few jobs that'll pay you. I don't know no, what the exact he's making, but let's call it multi millions of dollars for playing basketball. Stupid money. Stupid money. Like your next best option is to go overseas, and you're not going to make nearly as much as you are. So you kind of have to abide by that. And like I said, too, it's a quarter of a year. I'd be very curious to see if it happens a third time what's going to happen, but I think it's fair. You know, I don't think it went overboard. I think half a season would have been overboard, quite frankly. And I think the fact that these 
guys actually get more chances than most people do needs to be addressed. Let, let, let's put it this way. If you or I flashed our potential firearm on our Instagrams and our employers found out, do you think we're getting suspended for 25 days or do you think we're getting fired? We're definitely, definitely getting fired. I, I, you know, myself especially, I work at a school. That's a no-go. But yep. it, 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 exactly. Like, these guys are actually getting more chances than the average person. And it's because they're being paid to be this image. And they have to understand that. They have to accept that. That is actually part of their job. It's the whole, I'm only here so I don't get fined issue. You are actually here for much more than that, unfortunately. Whether you realized and wanted that or not, you're on a pedestal. You're on a stage. And that can't be taken too much advantage of it. it it just can't be i do appreciate though how it is like you know called a multi-mistake policy like i'm not saying there there are definitely indefensible things people can do but the fact that it's he if he did this once and it was like barred from the league that's a whole different story uh so i, I do like that fact you know a lot of other leagues have softened like you know, remember football was like you smoked weed, you were getting suspended for a while. And obviously that policy has changed. Uh, MLB was with PEDs was another whole issue that I think has softened to a degree, uh, especially for what gets the suspension, like what gets how long. But I, I like that multi-step. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's a good policy. I think the NBA has handled this about as about as well as you could have and i think this is going to be good good grounds to build off of for hopefully there is no next situation but for when the next situation arises right all right wherever you lie lie on the john morant situation you know feel free to have it out on have it out on twitter with somebody you don't know um that's that's where arguments like that belong all right obviously the big news that we haven't talked about in the nba is that michael jordan sold the hornets right Wrongo. He did do that, but that's nobody cares. Um, the Washington Wizards have finally moved on from superstar shooting a superstar, not really anymore, star shooting guard, superstar scorer Bradley Beal. There were, there were a couple potential shoot uh, suitors in mind. Miami, of course, was always going to be mentioned. Um, I believe Golden State's name was in the mix. The Kings, the Celtics, uh, Phoenix. However, they got the last superstar trade. They got the next superstar trade. They are reeling in the big dogs. They bring in, so I believe the, the final trade officially ended up being um, the Phoenix Suns get Bradley Beal, Goodwin, Isaiah Todd, and that's it. Excuse me, those three players for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and two second-round draft picks, one current, one future, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Let, 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 me, put this, let me put this this way. I don't know if Miami ever formally offered something to Washington, but a first-round pick was always on the table the last few years. And I don't think anybody thinks really anyone won this trade. Like, Phoenix is obviously going to be a force to be reckoned with, but their depth is still a super large factor, and they don't have a point guard now. Whereas Washington... If you go out and get a player that can compete, sure, getting Chris Paul was great. But Chris Paul's not the guy that can lead your team anywhere but the first round of the playoffs anymore. Chris Porzingis has never been a guy that can do do very much for you. Uh, um, uh, excuse me, Kyle Kuzma, he just declined his, his, his option 
He's an unrestricted free agent. We have no idea what the direction of this team is. We have no idea if Chris Paul is going to play a game in Washington. And in that case, you just traded one of the best players in your franchise's history at the peak or, or right at the end of the peak of his scoring ability for Landry Shamit and two second round draft picks. That's an all time swing and miss. It's the beauty of the Supermax, though. Um, like every trade that we've seen, uh, the Timberwolves overpaid on Rudy Gobert after this trade as well. Uh, but <laughs> always that one. yeah, you can't not. But in terms of financials, apparently the Suns were going to waive Chris Paul. They were going to owe, I think it was half the contract, so about $15 million a year. That is, it's, you know, they were going to have 15 dead money. Bradley Beal's contract is like $50 million a year. Or maybe it's like 47, but a lot of money. So instead of just having 15, you have 47. So there's like a 32 difference. Um, what they gave up for him, Landry Shamit, Chris Paul, who was going to be waived and some picks. Not much in terms of like trade for the other side. Um, what I would say to that, though, is I think the Wizards knew that the contract was exorbitant. I like to me, Bradley Beal, if healthy and he's an incredible player, incredible scorer, but I just think it's overvalued. And now what you've done is you now have been spending instead of having. Was it like 15 million extra in cap room? You now have negative 17 million in cap room. Yep. Uh, It's. no depth still. Y- yes, and no depth. Because everyone, I'm looking at their payroll right now. Everyone minus Cameron Payne, who, yeah, like, there's Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Bradley Beal, Cameron Payne, and I guess Ish Wainwright, who I've unfortunately never heard of, and maybe I'll be humbled this year about. No, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> they are. Like, our free agents. So your guys like Bismack Biombo, Damian Lee, Josh Okoge, uh, Jock Landell, Terrence Ross. All this potential depth is, you know, maybe they'll resign, but there's not a whole lot of money left. Let me, let me, let me, let me also throw something in. You don't want to resign that depth. That's terrible. Right. <laughs> and I, it was put pretty, like, I don't think this is anything groundbreaking. That team, that starting lineup, We'll be able to score at will if healthy. The unfortunate thing is they will not be able to defend anyone. Nope. They they have two shots at getting good free agents. And and it, it's free agency is the reason why the Miami Heat ended up winning two championships in the big three era. Because they signed Ray Allen and they signed Chris Anderson, who played monster minutes for them off of the bench. You need a guy like Ray Allen who's going to score a little bit for you. He's going to play big minutes off the bench and can do something incredible for Miami. It was place taste the floor. Maybe you need a guy like Bruce Brown who can defend incredible. You need someone that's going to accept a little bit less money. You can catch on an off deal. That's basically the rest of the money you have. And then you need to, you need to hit on your minimum next guy. You need one guy on a minimum contract. That's going to step up for that Miami team. It was Chris Anderson for, for, you know, there, 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 there's all sorts of players like that that can step up at any time. Uh, Sean Livingston is one to remember from, from the Warriors. They're so important to find, and 
they're you're, you're saying you have to strike gold the second you start digging. That's it's impossible. There's no way these four stars can win them a title on their own. There's just no way. Right, and I would say too, like the Heat team, those teams had the luxury of Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron were all on mid twenty million dollar a year deals. The Supermax didn't exist yet. Nope. Obviously, the salary cap has gone up, but Kevin Durant next year, forty-seven million. Bradley Beal is forty-seven. Devin Booker is making thirty-six, and then the year after is forty-nine for Supermax. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is thirty-two next year. Uh, you and then obviously after that, it's nothing because you don't have any real depth. But it's such a problem now with these Supermaxes, and I there's a reason why they're implemented, but in the Bradley Beal situation, okay, he signed the Supermax, but now he's on a different team. So that you're just, it, you basically just got Bradley Beal a bunch of money, which is good for the players. Yes, exactly. I, I, I want to say this though. For the Suns, you know, what can they do with DeAndre Aiden? Like, are they allowed to do anything? I mean, I don't think they're going to, because from what it sounds like, if they were going to, they would have kept Monty Williams, because Monty Williams was the guy, I think, that had the issue with Aiden. From like, he didn't like Crowder, and he didn't like Aiden. And I think that means they sided with Aiden. I, I don't know what you do with that, because he was a number one overall pick. He was supposed to be the guy. And what would you like? What, what what's his best trait? He he's a big man, and he <laughs> he's big, right? That's that's he, it. Yeah, that, he's nothing. He's seven foot, two hundred something pounds of nothing. You trade him. That's what you do. Well, but I don't think they will. And that's the biggest issue is that they're not going to find that actual next piece. You could trade Aiton for all these depth issues we're talking about. There was that Miles Turner buddy healed potential that we had talked about a few years ago. There, there's so many teams that would love DeAndre. And you want to talk about Portland competing. They would love to pair Damian Lillard with a guy like DeAndre. Ayton. That was the plan originally because of Greg Oden. It's just. They're not going to do it. And it's because they're stubborn and because they value Aiton higher than he should be. Yeah, and of those four guys, like you're not gonna retrade Beal after all this. You're not gonna trade Devin Booker. You're not gonna trade Kevin Durant. That leaves Aiden as the guy that you could get go cheaper on and get someone of call it equal value or the very least comparable value, and you're not paying them as much. And that's, in my opinion, the best way that they're gonna be able to get cheap because they haven't won a title. I don't think people are going to be inclined to ring hunt on this team. And I, I'd be very curious to see what free agents are really looking to ring hunt. And I bet you there's more desirable places, not like in terms of climate, like Phoenix is a good place to go. It's warm, sunny, and you know West Coast. That's why you went there. Yeah. I was going to say, the free agents they need to go after, though, are not scorers. They need to remember that. They need to go after ball like ball playmakers, ball movers, ball facilitators. And 
and defenders. I know, I just said the word for so many. No, 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 no. I was laughing at the idea of what if you just go all in and just get like a super max lineup? If that lineup is healthy, you're gonna win. If it's not healthy, it's different. I was gonna I was gonna say one other thing, and that was the 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 deep, deep sleeper idea here. And that's that they could potentially try and coerce the Warriors into a sign and trade for Draymond Green for DeAndre Ayton. Oof. I I like that idea in terms of something the Suns should do. If I was the Warriors, I wouldn't do that, and it's only because of how much you're going to pay Aiden. I think Aiden is the kind of guy that would be good for the Warriors, like center-wise, but for $32 million a year, forget about it. But I like that idea, and yeah, with Draymond's impending free agency, you know, who knows? I bet you it'll be a West Coast team, unless it's a sign and trade, and they force him to go somewhere. Yeah, my guess though is if they, if Golden State tries to trade Draymond, they would love to push into the East. Oh yeah. All right. Okay, so fallout, fallout there. We'll see what happens with the depth. Let's let's say they make they make out okay. Nothing great depth wise. Nothing terrible depth wise. How far does this team go this year? I'm not even going to say can they, because of course anybody can. Will they win the NBA Finals? No. No. Will they make the NBA Finals? No. Okay. I, I think in terms of teams they're going to have to go through, that'll be tougher. Got to go through the Nuggets again. Like The Nuggets are primed to make a run again next year. Um, Lakers will probably run it back. I, I think so. The Lakers could be a formidable opponent. I'm not saying they'll have to play them, but... Um, I would be very curious about, I'm curious to see what the Clippers do this year. I know like health is a big thing for the Clippers because man, it feels like they fall apart right at the end of the year, no matter how much they rest their starters. Um, I would be interested in the Grizzlies and from the perspective of you have kind of an inverse where you have four stars who are great scorers. Grizzlies, one-star, decent defense, and can that defense beat the offense? And I, minus distractions, think it could. This is one of the best teams in basketball, that John Morant record-wise. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to be in the mix. They, they may end up, because the West is tough, they may end up being in the play-in. But, yeah, when Jaw comes back, they're going to be great. They're going to be terrifying, actually. And that, yeah, that could that could be, especially because that could end up being a first round matchup depending on how things go. That's just that's really interesting. I think they could beat the Kings, and maybe I'm not giving the Kings enough credit. Um, I do think they could beat the Warriors if healthy, just because I think there's going to be a decent shakeup there. Um, Lakers, we talked about. I think the Lakers are a tough matchup. Um, they'll kill the Timberwolves, sure. I don't really care. I pick Rudy. I but, every but, day every day I get more and more angry about that trade, and I was angry about it from the start. Good, I know you were. Oh, you were more angry than me. You still are. I love it. But but so the general consensus we're having here is that this is not going to be a team that ends up really competing for titles. Yeah, or, and, or getting success in terms of competing for titles. And, and that's the, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And in week one, when they. Everyone's healthy. They blow out a team, and everyone's like, oh, my goodness, this is the best scoring line I've ever seen. 
either wait for the following, wait for injuries or wait for some sort of defense, defensive inefficiency. Cause it's going to happen. It is going to happen. But also mind you, the big three in Miami started eight and nine before going on a 15 game winning streak. But more room to sign those players. You have three stars who also can play defense. Chris Bosch wasn't great at defense until he got to Miami. But yes, Wade and James, excellent. Defenders. Two of the best all-time defenders. Yes. And I also think at that time, the idea of three-point shooting, shooters were important. Three-point shooting was less prominent. So, yes. so more about, I'm not saying he's not valuable now, but like even more valuable where it was like mid-range and you know, those guys were lethal. Sure. So, so again, barring actually, let me rephrase this. So th- this team is not expected necessarily to still win titles despite making this move for Bradley Beal. And I want to bring up discussion of uh, the discussion of how successful big threes have actually been over the last few years since the, the real creation of the big three. Now, now, if you're someone like me, you understand that big threes have actually been in, around forever, but they've been homegrown big threes. Boston's in the 80s with, with Bird, Parrish, and McHale. You had, you know, obviously the, the Bulls. Rodman wasn't homegrown, but Jordan, Jordan Pippen and, and Grant, or Jordan Pippen and Rodman, whichever trio you'd like to prefer, they, they did great. They've always existed. Even the Spurs, where it wasn't quite superstar trios, Parker and Ginobili were balling on anybody, whether they were star players or bums. And then Duncan was doing his thing. They've existed always, but never to the magnitude and to, 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 to the commonality that we've seen recently. So I want to really start talking this conversation with, with the Boston Celtics in, in 2009, with, with uh, Pierce and then bringing in Garnett and bringing in Allen, because that was the first modern day big three that we saw. And they immediately won a championship. And, and we all think, hmm, that's new. That's how you do it. And so the very next year, what does Miami do? They get a better big three. And they, they beat Boston. They lose the finals, but they beat Boston. And then people think, okay, so the only way to beat a big three is with a big three. And that's how this whole thing falls apart. But Boston brought together a big three and only won one title. That doesn't seem... That doesn't seem like it was very successful. Miami, we know they weren't as successful as they should have been, only going two for four and not really coming all that close in the fourth one. We'll talk about Golden State in a second because they're the, they're the, the bit of an anomaly in all of this. Um, but the Durant, excuse me, excuse me, the Curry Thompson Green big three, they, without Durant, they went two for three if you count the uh, last year's championship. But the year they lost, they had the best regular season record of all time. So it was still a bit of a letdown. I don't even need to mention Brooklyn's big three with Durant, Kyrie, and Harden and all eight games they played together. And, and, and other teams have tried to form almost mini big threes since then. The Bulls with, with bringing in Vucevic, DeRozan, and to join Levine. That was nothing. The big three we just saw in Phoenix just got smoked in the playoffs by Denver. And then you see these teams like Denver, like the 2019 Raptors, that are just complete teams. Fully built squads with one superstar, two or three stars, and then the best depth in basketball. That's proven. 
to win. But teams are so ambitious right now that they're thinking about winning two, three championships all at once. And that is never how basketball has won. That's why Miami only went two for four. Because their ambition got ahead of them, regardless of how, how good they were. This, this strategy of bringing in talent and leaving your bench out to dry, out to be the bare bones of the NBA, it does not work. And the point, the proof in the pudding is last year's Lakers. Because they had a big three in terms of money. They were paying Westbrook like he was that third superstar. And he was terrible. And their depth was miserable because it was all the butt-end league players on minimum contracts. That doesn't work unless you have a LeBron James Wade type situation where all three are top 20 guys and they're healthy all of the time. With the exception of Wade towards the back end of those years. But it's so hard to find that success. And and Durant changed the game going to the Warriors, of course. That that's the messy part of that because they went two for two for three with Durant, with the Raptors lost being everybody was hurt. They they, they basically had to quote unquote cheat to beat a, a super team, to to get a fourth, to get an actual super team to beat the big three. It, but but still, it just it wasn't working as efficiently as teams thought. And so I look at this team like Phoenix, and I think. What are they doing? They, these three don't work together like a way James Bosch did. They were so successful because those three were so connected, so intertwined. Same with the Warriors' big three, even without Durant. You saw it on the court, how well they worked together. You really think Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant can do that if you're Phoenix? You really think those are the three guys that mesh together like that? Fool's game. Big threes are a fool's game. I think in – the early part of all of that, you kind of hit the nail on the head where the big three is the easiest way to do it quick, to win a championship or have the best shot, quickest, easiest way. It's what, you know, teams like Boston did, what um, the, the Warriors are a little bit different because they're homegrown. Your heat. Easiest way because you get superstars. They are established. You know what you're getting. You could do it organically. It just takes time and you definitely have the potential to miss. The Sixers with the whole process, you got Embiid, Simmons for a time period. You still missed on a bunch of different prospects or they went different ways or yada yada. Or a team like Portland, same deal. Couldn't get a second guy. Yeah, so it's the easiest way to do it. Organically, it will be the best solution long term. We see that with the Warriors. And then when you get you know another star, okay, it amplifies it by a million. But Thompson, Green, Curry, all homegrown talent, all drafted by them. Draymond Green, second round pick. Clay Thompson, you know, late lottery. Steph Curry, middle of lottery. So it worked out that they were paying attention and then they treated them well enough where they stayed and then filled out the rest of their roster. I would say I think we take for granted just the idea of the phrase big three, like the Bulls. We have Vucevic, DeRozan, Levine, good players, very talented, but calling that a big three is kind of, it's a stretch. 
offensive. Yeah, and we got into that phase, you know, when the Heat had their big three. You know, everyone tried to copy, like you said. Big threes started to pop up, and it it's problematic when you do it with max guys like the Suns because you don't have enough money for other people. It's the Lakers situation from a few years ago, like you mentioned. You need to find those guys, and this is kind of like maybe the eventual money ball of the NBA, who are good players. Just you want those cost-effective guys who will have a lot of outputs, but don't require a lot of team input. And those are a rarity now because, you know, everyone's got pretty big exorbitant contracts, but homegrown talent is going to find them. And then the other aspect is looking for those bench players who could be starters if given the opportunity. And it's tough, but that's why big threes are so prominent. It's the quickest and easiest way to potentially win a championship. But you need to do it right, and everyone needs to be healthy. And, uh, sorry, I, 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 this will be the last thing I say on this because I don't want to keep ranting. The reason uh, one like the Warriors worked so well even before Durant was, you know, they were brought up, Curry, Durant, Green were brought up together. They were able to bond so well together. The reason why Wade, James, Bosch worked together, Wade and James were best friends. They weren't just throwing superstars in a room together and saying, work like Team USA, because that's not what this is. They were actually bringing players together that that worked well together both on and off the court. They were genuine friends. They're genuinely family. <laughs> Phoenix is just throwing pieces together. And that's that's where I say it's a fool's game because it's easy to put a lot of talent together on paper. It's not easy to win an NBA championship. And, and that – chemistry aspect is so important like the warriors you know you got all those pieces curry you know was it 2009 sorry what was that i apologize what curry's draft class 09 yes okay and then you get clay thompson a few years later draymond green you when all those guys were together they didn't just immediately win championships it took a few years you know till uh 20 20 14, 15 season, and 15, 16. Uh, it took time, and I think people forget about that time aspect where, yeah, they developed great chemistry. You know, they had a great coach. Mike Brown really instilled that system. Steve Kerr took it and ran. But it took a while to get chemistry. People want results fast, and that is not the situation when you're trying to build a dynasty. It could be a great for a one-off like the Celtics. And even in the Celtics case, they got to two finals, but it's not great for long-term, especially with those max contracts. And especially from a uh, chemistry standpoint. So. All right. We'll, we'll we'll leave the big three discussion there where it is, but we just we wanted to give our thoughts on that because it like like we said it's it's an easy idea to to fall in lust with, but you can't fall in love with it because it's 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 very risky and very challenging. So that's actually all we're gonna do on the news segment today. And who knows, all all it was still an hour, but we are we are gonna shift here a bit as the NBA draft is at this point less than two day less than two days upon the uh, oh, wow I can't speak. Slow down here. The NBA draft is two days away, and we want to discuss that. We, we did a few episodes ago 
uh, a conversation about a projected 10 top 10 in which we thought they were going to be boom or busts. Um, now what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit more in depth of description and we're going to actually go through and, and describe who we think our top 10 are going to be, what's going to look like. We'll compare it to each other's. And then after draft night, obviously we'll compare it to what actually happened. Um, two years ago, I think we did okay. We got the first three correct. And then another one last year, Paolo, the whole Paolo Boncaro, Jalen Green thing really threw everything askew. Uh, not Jalen Green. Um, Chet Holmgren thing really skew, threw everything askew. Uh, Jabari Smith, that was that was the, la the, the last second. He's going to go first. Um, and so it tends to get messy right around draft time. So we're going to try and sift through all those last second changes, all those all those expert opinions, and just, just pick for ourselves what we think the best top ten uh, would be, should be. So um, do we just want to go my pick, your pick? Is that how we want to do this? Yeah, let's do that. Um, we can specify before we start like okay what who's drafting at the number one overall position or so on and so forth as of now i i see a world where stuff gets traded in this draft but maybe that's i, I say that i think i said it last year and then no one traded anything until later um yeah. i do remember last year the top three we got and then i remember for mine or at least it felt like it everything was off by a pick yeah, we were close. We got the order right, except for, yeah, it was all like a pick off or something like that. Like we picked person A before B, but it wasn't the exact number. It was like, OK, we 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 missed a player up top. Yep, ex exactly. Someone went where we where we thought was too high and everything else shifted and, down one. And I think it was was Jane Ivy who ruined it. I think it was him. Ivy ruined it for you. I knew I I got Ivy right. He was one of the few I got right. Um, But either way. Um, no, number one would be a very hard, difficult one for everyone to swallow if we get wrong, because it, it, this has been a guaranteed lock number one overall pick for about two years now. Um, San Antonio is going to, is on the clock. They, they pick first. We almost know for a certain fact that they'll be selecting center Victor Wembanyama from France. Both of us consensusly have that pick as our number one choice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you, you didn't let me speak. I, I I have a five team trade in the works. No. <laughs> no, I I have Victor Wembanyama number one overall. You mentioned this literally a year ago where it's like he's gonna get picked number one overall. Dude, seven four, freakish athlete. You know, people in San Antonio greeting him at the airport. Not well, people from San Antonio greeting him at the NBA draft. You know where that vicinity is, that airport. He's gonna be. He has the potential to be the next star and really rekindle what those championship years were like in San Antonio. Per our last discussion, I also think it'll take time, but your best bet, especially if he's healthy. So, yeah, I have Victor Wembanyama at number one to the Spurs. Yep, no question about it here. Two and three is a little bit murky, but based off of all the workouts that have gone down, it seems like it's cleared up a little bit here. So I personally have the Charlotte Hornets. Again, we're doing this based off of no trading in the top 10. Um, I believe the Charlotte Hornets will draft Scoot Henderson, second overall, the point guard from the G League Ignite. Again, any other year, this is your number one overall draft pick. He is sensational. He's got Russell Westbrook slash Derrick Rose type vibes, um, that play style, that aggressive mentality. Um, I think he can make any team happy. 
I think it's going to be interesting to see if he and LaMelo can play together at first. Uh, if they can, they'll have great success. If not, I'd say LaMelo is the one to move on from, but that's, that's just me. Um, but the one, the one concept that was very successful from the process era is don't draft positionally what you need. Draft the best player available. Scoot Henderson at number two will be the best player available. I think Charlotte knows that. I think they're going to take him. I agree that he's the second best player in this draft. Uh, I also have Scoot Henderson number two of the Hornets. There was a lot of talk about Brandon Miller being a better fit for that guard forward aspect. Um, from what I've read today, it sounds like the odds for Scoot Henderson to pick number two have skyrocketed like for like worse odds if you were to bet on him. I, I think that's kind of a clear indication that he's going to go number two overall. Um, I It's going to be a tough fit, but I remind you, you know, a few years ago at the Mavericks, you drafted Dennis Smith Jr. from NC State, and then the next year drafted Luka Doncic, and, well, the rest is history. So, like the process, draft the best player, and, yeah, I'd be excited to see what he can do, and maybe, maybe him and LaMelo work out together, but time will tell. Only time will tell. Indeed. Perhaps the most talked about pick in terms of being traded is Portland's at number three. We don't know if they're going to trade the third pick to try and get a star for Damian Lillard. We don't know if they're going to trade Lillard for another pick. We don't know if they're going to do nothing and just take somebody. What I've heard in the last two days is that, like you said, Scoot Henderson to number two has skyrocketed, leaving them with Brandon Miller, which... I unfortunately think, yet again, Portland's going to make a mistake here because picking Brandon Miller in this draft is a mistake. He is he has bust written all over him. And roster fit-wise, he is perfect. He is exactly what Portland needs. And if he does become what he should be at number three, he could be that thing that, that they needs to, to win a chip early in his career. However, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening at all. I see this being a nightmare situation for Portland, and that's why they're, they're not trading the pick because they think this is what they want. The other thing I've been hearing is that they're not going to trade this pick. In fact, what they're going to do, if they do try and trade the pick, it's going to be in a massive haul deal in attempt to counter Miami and go after Bam Adebayo. That is the chatter that I have heard. Damian Lillard right now is not moving. That is that is almost a certified guarantee from he will not move before the draft. No chance. Okay. I think we're going to see a very quiet first three picks, and I think we're going to see Brandon Miller go third. Uh, I agree with that. I have not heard really. There was talk about the third pick moving just from what Portland has, but you mentioned it where right now you have Damian Lillard, you have Jeremy Grant, you, you got some players, you're kind of missing that forward, and Brandon Miller fits that on paper. Will he be a bust? You know, time will tell. I think with his performance in the tournament could point to, yeah, that's not a good thing. Um, he did have a spectacular regular season, but yeah, you're right. Really poor performance in the tournament itself. Uh, I have him at number three as well. I, I I think one, two, and three are kind of no-brainers. You know, I think this order is correct. Could you switch two and three? Maybe. But I think that's how it's going to go. I, I agree. 
I think the one positive about Brandon Miller is is his physical size. He he, yeah. he has like almost a Kevin Durant demeanor. He's a little lanky. He's skinnier, but he has, he's deceitfully strong. And in theory, he can shoot a little bit. Only 22% in the tournament, but he can shoot. Um, he, he can play. So if he does pan out, it's a great pick for Portland. But like like we said, one, two, three teams, pretty locked and loaded at this point. I actually think number four is more or less a no-brainer too. I think Houston's going to go point guard here. I think they're going to go Amen Thompson from the other G League squad, the G League overtime. I think he is the better of the two Thompson brothers. I think I said that in our uh, Boomer Bust episode for the top 10. In fact, he is, I'll, I'll give you a little predecessor for what's coming up. He is the only Thompson brother I have in the top 10. Um, I, I think he's a true point guard, which is more or less what Houston needs. KCP is good. He's a lot of fun. But I, I think they need a more well-rounded guy running the offense. I think that can be Amen Thompson. I'm a little worried about Houston in terms of if any of these stars are actually going to pan out and turn into good players. But it's just guard heavy right now. And they're actually one of the very few teams picking that doesn't need a forward. I, I think you take the best guard available. I think that's Amen Thompson. I think he's the best player available at this point. The, yeah, the problem with the Rockets, and we'll get to with the Magic, is they just have so many lottery picks that I don't know what to do because they kind of, for the most part, have accounted for every position. Uh, but, yeah, I have Amon Thompson at four. I know this is very boring right now, and I know it's going to change momentarily. Maybe, well, maybe, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a decent pick. I, I think he's going to get kind of lost in the shuffle, but at the same time, who knows what Jalen Green will do. You know, I, I think it's a good pick, and just having that young core and maybe being able to lead the bench, it's going to be half decent. And, you know, Jalen Green isn't shooting well. Maybe he's going in a guard or maybe playing alongside him. Who knows? I, I think if they take him... And the second they start to lose favor in Jalen Green, think, oh, maybe he's not going to turn into a superstar. Thompson's going to get given the keys to the car. They're going to say, yeah. all right, well, we don't, one of our athletic guard, super athletic guards isn't doing it. Let's try the other one. It's easy. It makes sense. That, that, that's that pick for me. Easy. Makes sense. All right. I'll let you continue on. Let you start with your number five. See if we can finally have a little bit of discourse here. All right. Number five is the Pistons. They have a... Great guard lineup as of now with Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham. You know, there's a lot of really good guards this year. And, you know, I want to, you know, just get those top guys off the board. But I do feel like there's room to potentially get a forward. And may not be the best player in the draft, but uh, Jaras or Jaras Walker out of Houston, I think that would be who I think they should take just from the aspect of getting some size, like you did trade for Wiseman. You do still have Bagley, I think, you know, but at the same time, those guys are good off the bench. will provide some minutes and they're more centers. Why not go guy like Walker, who is a little more versatile, maybe a little bit quicker and isn't just a center. He's a forward. So, so you, you went forward. I also went forward here, but we do finally have a little bit of, of, differential in our top 10 um I'm, i went here with cam whitmore the forward out of villanova for two reasons number one villanova's products have boomed recently in the nba and they didn't have a great season but whitmore individually had a great season and i think he can really and will really make a team happy especially with his floor spacing um and, and i think he fits the needs of detroit a little bit more 
it's going to be interesting to see where Cade's at when he comes back. Um, but you just need guys that can fill in after him in terms of just do a little bit of everything, a little bit of scoring, a little bit of defense, a little bit of rebounding, a little bit of facilitating. That is, that is exactly what Cam Whitmore is. He's probably not going to end up even being a top 10 player in this draft class, but team needs plus where he comes from. I got Cam Whitmore at number five to the Pistons. Okay. Six, we got the magic and I do think the Magic are in a very similar situation to the Rockets. I also think that they have got – I don't know which way they can go. It's kind of like, okay, they could add depth. I, I do think a guard would be a good one to pick. Um, and, you know, I kind of feel like they're going to mimic what the Rockets could do. Like that's one hand where I think Gaylord Thompson brothers can get selected – I have on here, though, I, I have Cam Whitmore here just because he can potentially play the guard position. And I think it's what they need. Like, Cole Anthony's fine. Markel Fultz is okay. But get a little bit stronger guy, a little bit more of a ball handler. And that would be my pick for the Magic. Orlando, I had, a, I had a bit of a different approach. I went with Jairus Walker here. Because okay. I think they're just about ready to give up on Jonathan Isaac. And I think Jairus Walker is the closest thing we have to Jonathan Isaac in this draft. It's tough because Isaac was an excellent defender when he's healthy. One of the best in the business. And he was actually having a very improved season a few years ago before these injuries really set in. But it's been too much. He, he's going to start getting to the point where he can get paid too much money. And it's just not going to be worth the hassle. It does, he doesn't he play. We're wasting a roster spot. I think Walker, if he you know comes in, he's NBA ready. He plays good defense. He's going to kick Isaac right on out of there. He's going to take over that backup power forward role, starting small forward role in the offense, or excuse me, in the, in, in the lineup. And they're not going to really look back because of it. I think this is a if he's available at six, knockout pick for the Magic, despite the fact that, like you said, they're just a bunch of lottery guys that don't work well together. Mm. Seven for the Pacers. Kind of another tough one in the sense I'm not sure what they're going to do. Like, I think the essential component is Tyrese Halliburton. Miles Turner could be gone. Uh, Buddy Heald's, you know, who knows. Um, I think they'll take, like, just kind of go with a, a smart, safe pick. Um and I kind of like chaos for my next one. I want Anthony Black at Arkansas. Yeah, Anthony Black, he's going to be able to play the you know the one, the two, or the three, really. He's got good size for his position. Yep. And I think he actually, that's a good, I thought about him here. I didn't have him go here. Because um, I think he could work very well with Tyrese Halliburton. I really do. Yeah, um, and on top of that, I, there really haven't been a whole lot of guys from Arkansas who have been, like, huge draft studs. But they're, in general, kind of consistent. They play the SEC you know, have had good tournament runs. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm leaning towards where it's a safe pick. It's not really a boomer bust and it'll be a potentially good piece, especially alongside Halliburton. No, I would agree with that. Like I said, I went in a bit of a different direction. I went domino effect with the top forwards in this, that one goes, the rest go. Um, so I have Taylor Hendricks at a US, USCF going here. Uh, power forward center type, a little shorter, but he's got the body of a big man. He he is a real outlier here. I could see him going top five. I could see him falling to the bottom of the lottery. 
it's in part because not a lot of people saw a lot of him this season. You know, he played for a smaller school. And and two, because of that undersized aspect of the fact that if he's not mobile enough, he'll have to be a center and it's tough being an undersized center in this league. I think he's going to be able to make the full transition to power forward, though. I think that's exactly what Indiana needs. Um, that's Because you look at their roster, I mean, you'd like to give Matherin and Duarte another year to see if one of them can take over the two-guard role. Obviously, Halliburton set at the one. Heald's at least a temporary three. Turner's a good center, a so- good solid center. That just leaves the four, which is has been a big hole for them anyway for the last few years. So I like Hendricks here. I, 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 it's a tough one. I think he could be a bust, but you don't need to draft a point guard here. That's pretty much what's left right now for, for the top guys. You don't want to disrespect Hallie. So you, you, you go with the next best guy available, which is yeah. Billy Taylor. Number eight to the Wizards. Um, part of how I skewed this is I think I, I just wanted to watch some chaos. So you lose Bradley Beal. You don't really have point guard anymore. You have Porzingis. Kuzma could be on his way out. I went with pure chaos where they're probably thinking this is boom or bust. I think it'll be a bust. But I'm going with the other Thompson twin in Osar Thompson. And I think it's one of those things where you hand them the keys, see what you do, and maybe you're in rebuild for another 10 years. It's, yeah, that, that's always the risk, the risk we run with rushing. With, Who with says Ross. no? Everybody. Um, no, it's, that's a decent pick there, honestly. He, he's also a bit of a question mark because he's so athletic. But, but the, the skills were clearly a bit of a step down from his brother. And and that that's a hard thing to, to deal with and for teams to look at in terms of top 10. But Washington definitely needs a guard. Like you said, they just moved on from Bradley Beal. I also thought about a little bit of chaos with this draft pick, but in a bit of a different way. I thought about a guy who's going to rise in the draft. I thought about a guy who teams have thought, hmm, we've seen a lot of people have a lot of success drafting players at this position out of this school in the late lottery. I'm not letting this guy fall that far this time. We've had quickly. We've had Maxi. We've had Hero of late. These Kentucky guards can play. Cason Wallace is no different. I don't know if Washington's smart enough to realize this, but I think if they can be, this is a knockout pick for them. He's going to bring energy. He's, he's going to feel like John Wall all over again. That's what I want to say. This is going to be an injection of adrenaline which is something Washington so desperately is going to need without the only guy who can score the basketball for their team for the past five years on their roster. I, it, it's hard to say this is a guarantee pick, but I feel comfortable saying that this is where he's going to go because Washington is in that state of they can do anything. They could fully blow up and rebuild. They can try and draft a guy to compete right now. They can move the pick entirely. I, I think Cason Wallace is arguably one of the most NBA-ready players in this draft. And I'm very excited uh, uh, to see him, you know, start to develop. I would hate to see him have to do it in Washington, but I think that's a great fit for him. And I think he and Johnny Davis could be a very scary backward. All right. Number nine to the jazz. Um, jazz are an interesting state because they could kind of use anything to be honest. Like you besides, they could use anything. Minus marketing, there's not really anything that's guaranteed. Could they pass and go with a guard? Maybe. But I, I 
kind of like this pick for them just to add a little bit more depth. You could have Hendricks play, I'd say, the four, maybe three, and then have Markkinen play the four. Yeah, we'll see, though, because Markkinen's had so much more success at three than the four over the last few years. But but also, he just needed to get out of Chicago, clearly. He's been better progressively since he's left there. Right. Um, I went, obviously, I had Hendricks going earlier. I went Anthony Black here. I think gotcha. Ian Sexton could also be a pretty good combination because because Black isn't a dominant scoring type player. I think he's going to translate into a very good defender in the NBA, and I think he's going to be a very just solid all-around offensive guard. And I, I think pairing him with Sexton and not really, really definitively saying who's the point guard will actually maximal, ma- ma- maximize their uh, potential together because you don't need to have a true point guard anymore. You just need to have two guys, that, or a guy or two, that can bring the ball up and start the offense. That's both of them. And you can design an offense around two different guards like that. And I think that could be a very scary duo of Flax on the board here. Mm. Yeah, I'd be curious to see where he falls. But I, Jazz would be the one team I feel like could take a guard if available. But the ones that I had drafted like above Hendricks, you know, those would be the ones to draft. I think if Hendricks falls that far, might as well take a chance on him. Yeah, I agree. And so to round out the top 10 here, I argue an even more consensus number one, or pick than number one overall is number 10. The Dallas Mavericks have seemingly guaranteed that they'll draft, if he's on the board at this point, Grady Dick, the shooting guard from Kansas National Champion. There's a lot that can be said about him. He's a very talented player. He has a very funny name. Um, but I think the thing that really is going to stand out to most people here is he gives me strong Christian Brown vibes. And some people might hear that and be like, oh, my God, you're talking about a number 10 overall pick like he's some scrub on the end of the Nuggets bench. Christian Brown won Denver at least one game in the finals. Christian Brown played big, big minutes. And to have a hustle guy like that sitting as your 8, 9, or 10 guy on your bench, especially for a team like Dallas that doesn't have guys that like to dig in, that could be, that could be very, very useful, especially if he you know, can keep that three-point shooting up. Yeah, I have him at 10 too. Part of that is just having a complimentary piece and an extra shooter for the Mavericks if he falls that far. Like, you have Doncic who will score a ton, but having extra shooters to take the pressure off him I think would be great. And there have been a lot of pre-draft reports saying they're very intrigued about him and interested. So I think it'd be a half-decent fit at the very least if he's there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think, I mean, Dallas, the one thing you know you don't need is just straight scores. And I think big men would be more ideal for them here. So I think you should watch a guy like Derek Lively at this mm-hmm. spot. But I think they're more content to trade for or try and sign a big guy to, to match with Doncic than draft a younger one. And that's why I think so, so, so confidently about about Grady Dick here. So those are our top 10 predictions for the draft. You know, we'll see if we hit on them, uh, but should be very intriguing, very interesting. And, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get the first three. I'd be very curious after that what we land on. But Thursday night, be, be there and may the odds be in the favor of your franchise to draft the right player. 
Indeed. Indeed. All right. We are going to shift gears now here out of the world of basketball and back to a segment that we have been doing a good amount here as we enjoy it quite quite much, and that is the grid trivia. So if you have not been with us before for one of these, the concept is we are playing tic-tac-toe. And the way to lock in a space for yourself is you have to name a player that played for both teams that are listed on the board. So, for instance, if you had this the right here on, on, on our screen right now, the Raiders and the Titans, we would have to name somebody that's played for both teams for our point to count to be able to put an X or an O on the board. Now, which would, would I believe... I believe you won again last time. I did not win the first time. You won the first. I won the second. So, yeah, you want to go first? I, I I'd be happy to. I will. I, I don't win many games on here, so I'll take going first when I can. All right. All right. Let's. Ooh, wow. This is already no fun. Um. I feel like the Ra- the Titans and the Raiders should be so much easier. Then I'm making it out to be in my head. Um, wow. We're off to a great, great start here. Patriots and 49ers. Well, I stall for Robbie. We have in the top is Titans, Patriots, Bengals. And then down the left side, it's Raiders, Cowboys, and 49ers. Hmm. I think I'll default to you. All right, then I'm going to go with, in the middle, for Cowboys, Patriots, I'm going to go with Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe, yep. Can't blame me on that one. Oh, gosh. Oh, I hate this so much. Oh, I want to hurt myself for this. The Bengals and the Raiders. Vontez Perfect. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> a real friend of the show. Oh, yes. Highly praised on here for sure. Okay. I'm going to go in the middle as well. I'm going to do Raiders, Patriots, Randy Moss. Yep, that's a great one. You know, Antonio Brown would have been a good one if he played a snap for the Raiders, but he did not. <laughs> Funny. Wow, this stinks. Um, I don't know why I'm struggling so hard with old 49ers players. I feel like this should be a little bit easier. Oh, wow. I got to think of this Patriots and 49ers player because there's got to be somebody. Mm, man, you Got me stumped here. <laughs> you said this was a little harder than the last time. I don't know any is it anybody who played for any of these teams. Well, these are at least nameable rather than the Broncos because we know nothing about the Broncos. I, I guess, I guess. Um, there's got to be some, like, kicker or something, right? <laughs> are you, let, me, let me ask, are you going to win the game if I default to you right now? I got to think for a second, um, but for 
the hmm, I could do actually I could do either. Um, I have one for the Bengals and I have one for the Bengals Cowboys. Bengals Cowboys, that's a wild one. I have Terrell Owens. <laughs> that's great. Yep. That's that's truly spectacular. No, man, this is this is difficult. I Um, yeah, I always have good ones for, for the, the, the teams on the same line. I never, I never get, I think I, if you have, if you have another one to win it, I think I gotta have it, I gotta give it to you. Cause I am Titans Cowboys. I gotta, I gotta be somebody. 49ers are definitely tough. I mean, funny enough, Terrell Owens played for both those teams. I'm not going to try and double count for a second. Uh, Hmm. I feel like the Cowboys and Titans is some sort of defensive lineman that I'm blanking on. Like an Albert Hainsworth, but obviously not. Um, Steve McNair, no. Kevin Dyson, no. Uh. God damn it. I have another one for the Patriots and Titans. I just can't. I can't do this. Hmm. Titans, Julio played for them, didn't play for the Raiders. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, my backup running back game might have just worked out. Let me check something, though. This is what happens when you play Madden too much and you just play with all the backup running backs because that's the only position you find fun. I think I got it. I got... I hate this game. It was Patriots and Raiders already. This game fooled me. I thought uh, I thought Brandon Bolden had played for the Titans, but he hasn't. Gross. And no. Unbelievably tragic. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, I think I got one. All right. I definitely. I know I know I have one. I just need I'm I'm confirming it because I've been so poor today. Um but I believe for Tennessee and yep, yeah, for Tennessee and the Raiders, Marcus Mariota. Oh, that's a good one. He bare he did play a couple games for the Raiders. Not much, oh, yeah. but he did play. Okay. Um Hmm, well. Patriots, 49ers. I feel like that's or Cowboys Titans. I feel like there's got there's a receiver that played for either which one, so I'm blanking on. Uh oh wait, wait, wait. Okay. You'll like this. Only reason I remember is because my roommate used to always comment about how much of a unit this guy was. Uh, Trent Brown, 49ers, Patriots. 
Oh, there you go. That's the winner. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, but Terrell Owens would work for like six of these spaces. Seriously, this is the Terrell Owens board. But <laughs> that's a tough one. I don't even know if I could finish this. Like Bengals 49ers, I got nothing. Uh, let me think here. Bengals 49. I mean, Terrell Owens works. I know it's a cliche. Yep. Um, I feel like someone in the Montana era. That's what I'm blanking on. Like AJ uh, was never a 49er, was he? If you want me to ask you AJ McCarron trivia, we failed as a sports fan. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Um, Titans, Cowboys. I feel like there's some sort of defensive back that I'm blanking on. Yeah, I feel like there was someone there that I just couldn't couldn't figure out. Titans, Niners. I also felt like I could have eventually gotten to. There was one person I was going to check for that one. Actually, I meant to do. So. Technically, this wouldn't have counted, but Austin Hooper could have been an option for um, see, for for Raiders and Titans as well, I guess. He okay. hasn't technically played for the Raiders. Um, sorry, I thought he had been a 49er. That was where I was looking up, but no, he has not. So, no, All that's right. a tough one. That was a good Let's one. move on from this. I have a slightly different one that could be easier or harder or could be impossible, depending on how I laid it out. But... Here we go. Oh, so that's fun. This one's a little bit different, where the top line is MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year. And then we have the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bears. The Bears. <laughs> so we got basically easy, medium, hard on this one. Maybe. I don't know. I think two, easy, two hard. Sure. Easy, hard, harder? I don't know. I, I think, well, I think Depoy may be able to name. I'll pull up the list because I know we're going to have to fact check stuff. Yes. And as a note, there may not be. I put these in there in kind of in hopes that we'll at least battle out in the MVP one because I think we can name yeah. three MVPs. I think so. I'll have just, just for reference sake. One of us just be ready for the depoy. One of us just be ready for the offensive rookie. I'll get the depoy. But you can't really use it for <laughs> um, for for checking because their their team name is gonna be right. Their team's gonna be right there, so he's gotta well, be careful with that. Well, maybe we should Google it. Like, insert player name here. Depoy question mark. Yeah, we'll do. We'll that. We'll have to do it that way. We'll just All do right. it individually. Well, save save, start- save save the credibility here. Start first, because I know where you're going to go. Yeah, I mean, I'll take one of the free spaces. I'll take uh, Aaron Rodgers for 500. Aaron Rodgers, MVP for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, I'm surprised about that. I'm going to go a different route, because I think it'll... Actually, I don't know if it'll save me my sanity later. Um, Actually, no, it's... Okay, we're going we're to change plans. MVP, Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. There it is. Patty Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, two easy ones right there. This is when it's going to start to get a little bit more difficult. Um, Tyreek Hill, he did not. He was on the rookie team. He did not win rookie of the year. So, no, no Tyreek Hill. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with Khalil Mack as a deep boy. 
That is, so, oh, okay, I see. So it doesn't have to have been him winning it on the team. Oh, he, did he win it with the Bears? I thought he did. I thought he won it with the Raiders, but, I mean, he, he won a defensive player of the year, and he played for the Bears. So I think it still counts. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I was that's what I was going for, where he won it with the team. Defensive player? Oh, he was with the Raiders. Um, Okay, let me backtrack. I'm going to do – I'm going to be legal here. I'm going to say – Okay, it's either got to be one of the 85 Bears when they were freakishly good. Um, I'm going to guess – I got to go with Brian Urlacher, right? Yeah, just checked it. 2005 Defensive Player of the Year, Brian Urlacher. Also, okay. for reference, was the Defensive Rookie of the Year, but we're not going for Defensive Rookie of the Years. I, I would never be able to name Defensive Rookie of the Years. I no will confirm that. No shot. That was my next – uh, attempt. So that's this is gonna have to give me a second here. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna actually hang on a second. I have a really gross guess that I wanna I wanna fact check for myself here before I just go out and say something. I hate this. Eddie Lacy, offensive rookie of the year for the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Did you really want it? The 2013 offensive rookie of the year. Gross. But I don't think the Packers have ever had a deploy, so I'm going to have to figure something else out. Uh, well, I have a guess for it. Yeah, we'll see. I'll t- I'm going to think about this for a minute. Um, okay. For deploy Packers, I'm going to say Reggie White. Reggie and, White. And if not, I'm going to say Charles Woodson. That you're definitely going to hit on. Um... Oh, yeah, you got Reggie White, though. Reggie White, two-time defensive player of the year, uh, 87 and 98. One with the Eagles. Oh, yeah. one with the All right. That was, that was a big hit. All right, I, had to, I knew I was going to have to change course here. That Walter Payton has to have won an MVP, right? I He has, yes. All right, so Walter Payton, Chicago Bears MVP. Okay, that's where I was going to go next. Okay, the last question in the world is, do the Chiefs <laughs> have a depoy? And I have a guess, but I think if it's not this guy, we are almost out of luck. <laughs> we're, in, we're in tough water. So where's the okay. guess? My guess is Derek Thomas. If he hasn't won one, I got no idea. Derek Thomas, man, he was a defensive rookie of the year. He he was a sacks leader. He was he, he is he he was a sacks leader. He was a forced fumbles leader, but he did not ever win a defensive player of the year. All right, I default to you. You have opportunity. I gotta look one up. I'm pretty skeptical, though. Very skeptical, actually. Um. Yep, that's right. No, okay. Hang on a second. I may just stall some time for a minute. <laughs> Alex Smith won his college uh, rookie of the year, offensive rookie I'm, of the year. I'm so glad he did. Um, man, this is this is difficult. I don't even know a lot of great Chiefs defenders. Eric Reed definitely never won Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, well, well, I, I want to fact check something. So 
no chief has won the defensive player of the year award just from like covering up the side. So Mm -hmm. unfortunately we can't pick one straight up. If you have won a defensive player that played for the chiefs that won it, we're going to have to do that. So, so you don't have to win it on the chiefs, but want it in general. But that, that makes sense. That can happen. Um, yeah, think back now. Some of these better Chiefs defenders over the last few years, they've been few and far between. I don't think so, but I think you gotta go. I think you gotta pick someone like, you know, deeper on the list and just hope that they have won it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of the older guys they had. Frank Clark never won Defensive Player of the Year. No. Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, I thought Carlos Dunlap was my winner. Mm, mm Um, well, I will stall. I'll give you one. I'm going to fact check this, but Chiefs Offensive Rookie of the Year, I believe Jamal Charles. That's a good one. Oh, so now you can win two ways. Can you get a Bears offensive rookie of the um, year? Take that back. He did not win the rookie of the year. Oh, brutal. That is brutal. And Mahomes definitely didn't win the rookie of the year because he didn't play in the rookie year. Nope. Wow. Um. Well, it's still your guess anyway. <laughs> I was, I was going right. to say the only other way I could think to try and do this, but a Bears offensive rookie of the year sounds like a miserable time. Uh, who played for the Chiefs? That's the question. Uh, okay. Let me think here. Jason Taylor was pretty good. Maybe, maybe Jason Taylor. I'll, I'll look up Jason Taylor. Um, well, he did win a defensive player of the year, but he was not a Kansas City Chief. That's okay. We tried. Ever in his career. <laughs> um. It's, it's simple. You, you just need to get a defensive player of the year who played for the Chiefs. You 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 think that would be doable. Chris Jones has been named a defensive player of the year finalist. I'm so glad. <laughs> what about Deion Sanders? He played for the Chiefs? Nope. Man, this just goes to show you how pitiful the Kansas City Chiefs are as a franchise. Just, yeah, really tough this can be. Oh, never mind. He plays offense. <laughs> okay, well, I don't think we're going to find one unless we're really going to try and Google search as best we can. So let's level it out. Um, well, we'll here, how about this? I'm going to spin the mystery wheel. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. I, I I do have a Bears offensive rookie of the year. <laughs> well, you you can say it, yeah. This is Gale Sayers. Gale Sayers. All right. You can have that. I'll I'll happily take it. So you have a box. We're gonna spin the <laughs> wheel. I like and it. whatever it lands on, I gotta pick a depoy that has either played for that team or so. I'm praying for Texans here. Yeah. What's going to land on? Vikings. Um. Oh, oh, 
uh, what's his name? This is like this is old, old. Um, let's see. Wait, did Jared Allen ever win one? I don't think he. Definitely was a sack leader once or twice. But I feel like he was the best. Jared Allen was on the Chiefs, but I don't think he won on the Chiefs. He was good on the Vikings. Um, he, he did not win a defensive player of the year. Okay, then I'm gonna brush up my memory. I'm gonna say, Al, did Alan Page win one like early, early depoys? Alan Page. Please. Was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year twice in 71 and 73, playing for both the Vikings. And we'll, we'll even give it to you because he also played for the Bears. Oh, my goodness. Well, that solves that. So if anything to take out of this is the Chiefs need to figure out some better defensive situations. Did we ever figure out an offensive rookie of the year for the Chiefs? Um, I did not actually ever figure out an offensive rookie of the year for the Chiefs. Um. I have one actually. I have one more true guess. I want to look this up. Dwayne Bell. I think I'm right, but I'm wrong. It's I thought Trent Green was going to be my guy. Oh, that's a decent guess. Chiefs offensive rookie of the year. Well, judging by this list that I've quickly scrolled through, it appears. They have, drumroll please, never won the award. All right. All right. So the, the, Patrick Mahomes was a little blinding on this one for the Chiefs. I guess so. That's okay, though. That's okay. I mean, we, we did very well otherwise. I, I thought so. The Bears is a tough one. I think we – now, granted, the Bears for defensive player isn't too bad. I was going to say the Bears have arguably the easiest one because they have, I think, the most – Hall. them or the Packers have the most Hall of Famers out of anybody. Yeah, we were able to actually name players that won these awards. Um, but that goes to show you what blind random draws will do, because I didn't look it up ahead of time. Otherwise, I would have won pretty quickly. I, that is true. I was struggling today, guys, as I typically do with these things. But I'll, I'll brush up. I promise. NBA. Give me back NBA. Give me the portal. <laughs> sure, you're pretty good at that. All right, but uh, we're, we're still enjoying this segment. We're going to keep bringing this one back as well as, again, continue to try and introduce uh, some new ones. Next week, we're going to break out our NBA time capsules from the beginning of the season, see how we did. If I'm not mistaken, I had the uh, Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA championship, so that's going to go very well for me. I'm very excited about that. Also very excited to keep expanding our YouTube channel. It's been doing very well recently, uh, especially with some of these videos uh, with, the, with the tic-tac-toe trivia. So let it, let us know if you want to see any specific game of ours. Let us know on Twitter and the YouTube comments, whatever, if there's any kind of game you'd like us to do or if you have any spins on some of these games that you'd like us to try. You see, we, we mixed it up here doing awards instead of teams on one row. If you have suggestions for us, we are happy to take those into consideration. Uh, very, very tough time in the sports world right now with just baseball going on. So we, we are we are with you heart and soul right now. Uh, we will t- take uh, stock in the NBA draft. Enjoy that while it's here. Uh, hopefully football picks up again soon with, with some preseason actions and some, some fun acquisitions and whatnot. Dalvin Cook just got cut. You can see that. A lot of fun stuff. We'll be back next week. Um, probably talking about a little bit of baseball, to be completely honest. God knows why. But that's where we're at, guys. So, no. Uh, like I said, have a, a, hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a fantastic week. Enjoy the NBA draft. 
enjoy some calm, uh, you know, significant others back at home that aren't as into sports. Enjoy the calm of the fact that there's less sports going on right now. Enjoy spending time with, with the people that, that are locked into the TV during the seasons. I know I'm one of those people. So, yeah, enjoy the episode. En- enjoy your summer. I hope you have been so far. I hope you have been so far, Alex. My, my, my friend, my good friend have been. And, yeah, can't wait to be back in a week or two to – Gosh, talk about the the calm of, of the time of year that it is. Take care, everyone.